And many of you have known this for years, but others it might be new to you. Some might be uh, a reminder. And what we've just done is taken that little phrase. Uh, it's only found in the New Testament. Uh, it's called the will of God. Those three words, the will of God. And if you just do a word search, that's how you come up with studies like this. And I found that it is applied specifically in ten different places. I've given you seven so far. We'll finish tonight. And uh, then probably go on to some something new next Wednesday. And probably Sunday some Christmas things because Christmas is, is an important time to remember the birth of Christ. All right. So, so far, these seven, I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to re-preach them, but I'm just going to go through these seven that we have... Uh, mentioned so far, it's God's will for all to be saved, 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4. Number two, it's for the saved to be sanctified, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. That means to be made holy, to be separate unto God so we can be vessels of honor that God can use. Number three, for the saved to be thankful and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. For the saved to give themselves to God. 2 Corinthians 8.5, they gave themselves to God and to us by the will of God, by the will of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 8.5, so 4 is for the saved to give themselves to God, and then 5 is for the saved to give themselves to their leaders. And we went through the the leader's responsibility in the church and the follower's responsibility. And both of them are spelled out very clearly so nothing goes wrong. And uh, But we should give ourselves to our leaders. Um, And uh, as, as the Holy Spirit leads them to do God's will in the area, we should get behind them and support them. Number six, your movements should be in God's will, whether they be big or small. And this was Sunday night. I preached on that, Romans 1.10, Romans 15.32, your movements. Paul said he wanted to go to Rome by the will of God. Paul said he wanted to go to Spain by the will of God. James says what we should say is, if the Lord will, we will do this or we will do that. And we should not uh, uh, be presumptuous. So whether it's big, big decisions in our life, we need to seek the will of God. We're talking about Brianna going to the mission field. But also small movements in our life. We looked at a couple stories where God said, Jesus said, go over there and you're going to find a guy and and, and take his donkey and bring his donkey here. Go over here, you're going to see a guy with a water pitcher and uh, uh, ask him where we can have uh, the Passover dinner, and that was that was woman's work back then to carry water pitchers. It was it was not a man's work, and yet God wants to ordain the small steps in our lives as well as the big steps. So, like Brianna, big step uh, to go to a foreign field, but God wants to uh, direct her little steps between now and then. Does that make sense? And the same thing with you and I. We should be praying, Lord, direct me, guide me today. Open my eyes to see maybe some opportunity of of ministry or something that you're going to provide for me today, not to miss that little uh, step in God's will. Your calling should be in God's will. 
1 Corinthians 1, 1 and many other verses, the Apostle Paul said, I, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And we talked about our calling being that special revealed will of God or, or, or concealed will of God that we don't know. But after we've been faithful with the known will of God or the revealed will of God, then he shows us the concealed will of God, that special calling for your life what he'd want you to do. And it may seem small to you, but it's not small. God doesn't have any small callings. He doesn't have any small churches. They're all big to him. God's work is the biggest. Now, number eight, your vocation should be in God's will. That's new tonight. Number eight, your vocation should be in God's will. And this will really, I've preached this before, and people have said to me, Pastor, I can't tell you what a, a blessing This has been to learn this truth, number eight. Your vocation should be in God's will. Notice in Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 8. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Now, I I think I could safely paraphrase this in American culture and say something like this. Employees, be obedient to them that are your employers, according to the flesh, because we don't have masters and servants today uh, in our uh, culture. So, He's saying here in verse 5, who's your employer? Um, Be obedient to them with fear and trembling in singleness of heart, of your heart, as unto Christ, as unto Christ. Not with eye service, not just when they're watching you as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ. Now notice the expression here. You got to get this. Doing the will of God. From the heart. I've said this before, I mean it. If you are in the employment right now that God wants you to be, you are just as much in the perfect will of God for your life than I was as a pastor. Just as much. You are just as much in the perfect will of God for your life if that's the employment God has led you to than Pastor Gullo is as a pastor, or Pastor Barron as a pastor. You know, we, we sometimes look at them, oh, they're in the will of God. I hope so. Okay, we just covered that under number seven, but our, our calling needs to be God's will. But if, I don't, I don't know, if you're a slinger, and uh, you're on the back of a garbage truck slinging garbage bags into a garbage truck and that and you know that's where God wants you to be right now you are in God's will and you should do that as unto Christ not as an eye server not with eye service as men pleasers but as servants of Christ with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth the same shall he receive of the Lord whether he be bond or free So notice in verse 6, that's called the will of God, and it should be done from the heart. 
And um, you got to make sure it's the will of God, though. I mean, I've had some confrontations with people. I remember one guy got saved and baptized, and and uh, he was growing. He loved the church and everything. I talked to him about his employment. What do you do? This is way back in the 80s. He says, well, I'm a tattoo artist. And I said to him, sir, I said, I believe it would be God's will to direct you into some kind of a different employment. The Bible says we shouldn't print marks on our bodies. And, um, well, he didn't like that, and I never saw him again. It was too bad. Another guy was up at the casino dealing cards. Young man, I talked to him about that. I said, that's not God's will for your life. Uh, That's destroying people's lives. And God can give you something much better than that. Well, I never saw him again. And uh, so you get these uh, times where a job is not God's will. All right? Uh, And we got to leave behind that old life um, and a new life and trust the Lord for something better and he'll give us something better. He'll give you something better. It's just a matter of a little faith and a great God to open doors for you. But every one of us can find an employment that is God's will, and we should do that as unto Christ. Now, the companion chapter for this is Colossians chapter uh, number uh, 3. And we'll just read this briefly because I talked about this passage It may have been this year when we were studying inheritance. And uh, Ephesians and Colossians are kind of like synoptic uh, epistles, just like uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic gospels. There are so many similarities between Ephesians and Colossians because Paul was dealing with two different churches but trying to share the same information with them. This right here in Colossians 3 and uh, verses 18 through 24 is like uh, what we just read in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 5 through 8. But uh, I, I think a little bit more defined. It says in verse 18, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, Love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily, Um, as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. And so this is talking about our callings and our employment here. And I believe that there is a wife's reward, verse 18, I believe there's a husband's reward, a children's reward, a father's reward, a servant's reward, a employer's reward or master's reward, and that the um, criteria, however, for that reward in verse 24 is that we do it not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart serving God. 
And so this is what I call being paid twice. Being paid twice. If you do it right, if you go to work every day, no matter what your work is, and even if it's a, a work that seems like God's nowhere near the place, uh, but if you go there and say, this is what God wants me to do, I know this is his will for me, this, this employment right now, and you do that every day as unto Christ somehow, you'll get paid in the next life. Verse 24, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. If your employment, quote unquote, is to be a wife, mother, father, husband, or something, and you just do that as under the Lord, and you get into the scriptures, and the best you know how, uh, you follow God's guidelines for those offices that you hold, I believe there will be a reward for you. And I believe that's, if there's some dear lady who, and she's gotten married, and she's had kids, and she stays home, and she's just a, like a stay-at-home mother, maybe homeschooling her kids or whatever, I believe she is just as much in God's perfect will as Pastor Cole ever has been. I believe that. I believe that. And so don't think the will of God is some mystery that God just shows a few special people once in a while. No, no. It's something he wants us all to know. That's what this study has been about. And your vocation, number eight, your vocation, is the will of God. I hope it is. So pray about that. All right, pray about that. And uh, I knew another guy who got saved, owned a smoke shop, selling cigars, selling cigarettes. I told him, brother, I'm sure that God has something better for you to do. They that use the world is not abusing it. And uh, God can, and I never saw him again. You know, boy, money's got a hold on some people, don't it? Uh, we gotta, we, we'll be tested sometimes to see whether we're serving the Lord or we're serving money. And what is our motive? And um, so there's some things that, that we just got to say, no, I don't, God doesn't want me to do this. This is not a good testimony. And he will show us something else to do. By faith, he will provide something else to, to do that's a good testimony. And we can go to that place of work, and there we can be a good example and a good testimony, and maybe the only Christian witness in the whole place. But God needs somebody in every business, in every store, who, who can be a testimony and stand up for the Lord. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 15, it says, For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. That's God's will. Just well doing. So you go to work and you just, you just do well every day. You just do your best and, and you, you be a good testimony. You be clean. You be pure. You watch your words. You watch your activities. You watch your behavior. And, and people will see that. And uh, you will be in the will of God. For so is the will of God that with well doing you may put this. Oh, they'll say bad things about you, but your, your example can put them to silence the ignorance of foolish men number nine now turn to first peter chapter three and verse 17 this is the one you've been waiting for all your life you've been waiting for this no believe me i'm just kidding (laughs) first peter 
3.17, for it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. All right, there's a lot of people suffering for evil-doing. They're in prison, right? They're locked up. They're paying fines or whatever. All kinds of consequences for doing evil. But there's sometimes, if so be the will of God, that you suffer for well-doing. Suffer for well-doing. There's, there's believers all over the world, maybe not as much in America for sure, but all over that are suffering just for the sake that they're a believer in Christ. And they're in a country that does not have Christian roots. And um, it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing. Now notice chapter 4, verse 19. 1 Peter 4, 19. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. Suffering, number nine, suffering according to the will of God. It's planned. It's designed by God to come into your life. Why? Well, let's let's just read the rest of it. If if that's your lot, commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. So, we've got to be careful that we're not saying, why is God letting this happen to me? But rather, what is God trying to teach me through this? Um, We'd be better off asking what rather than why. And uh, because God has ordained it. And if you just, if you just want a classic case, go home and read Job chapter 1 and 2, where God had designed that this would be allowed in Job's life, suffering. And, uh, boy, we count them happy that endure, James said, as we look at Job and his example. And uh, none of us have ever come close to what Job's been through. And so we've got to... Just, just kind of put that one in the bank and just say, hey, suffering is part of God's will for my life, so I'm not going to get rattled. I'm not going to you know, say why. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to leave the flock and walk away from the fold. And that's it. I quit. I thought, you know, I thought God was going to keep me and all my kids all healthy and satisfied and money uh, just flowing everywhere and health and safety and nope that's not what the bible says about the will of god why do we suffer i love this chapter 5 verse 10 i think it's the greatest verse in the bible my, my personal opinion on why in the world would god let his children suffer according to the will of god well here's the answer Chapter 5, verse 10, 1 Peter. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. All right? I mean, there are some times where the only tool 
God can reach into his toolbox and pull out and use on us to accomplish this is suffering. But what a work it does in us. Uh, the description, I mean, to me, First Peter 5.10 is just a, a, a nutshell type of verse that just kind of says it all. So it's not a mystery anymore. I don't know why God's letting this happen in my life. Well, I do. Not because I'm smart, but because I can read the Bible. And, uh, you know, I know, boy, just the seasons of suffering I've gone through in my lifetime, boy, they have brought about some really good things. Make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Suffering. Suffering. So much good comes from suffering. And if suffering comes to one of your kids' lives or something, let it be. God's working. God's working. God's working for their good. Romans 8.28 still in the Bible. It says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Some don't love God. They're saved, but they don't love God. To them that are called according to his purpose. And uh, so there's a lot of good that comes out of suffering. So our first response should not be, why, why, why? But it should be, what, Lord? What do you want to teach me through this time? It might even, it might even reduce the uh, length of the trial if we could learn a little bit faster sometimes. So, <clears throat> number 10, turn to Galatians. This will be the last one that I could find. Now, these were 10 specific Things where it just said clearly the will of God. But there's a lot of other things, as we've said, any commandment of the Lord would be his will. That are just what we call the reveal will of God. Just in general, you could probably list dozens or hundreds of them, you know. Uh, whatever, any commandment God has given us would be his will. I mean, if you ask me, does God want me to pray? Well, I'd, I'd say so. And you could just list all kinds of verses and, and uh, that. So, But these were ten specific times where I found where the will of God is mentioned in the New Testament. And number ten is this deliverance from this present evil world. Uh, Galatians and chapter 1 and verse 4. Uh, again, our subject is the will of God. This verse uh, says it this way. Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. And it goes on in Galatians and there's other places where that deliverance is past, present, and future. Now the deliverance of God is past, present, and future. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to to the will of God. Now this goes way back to the beginning of the New Testament when our Lord taught us to pray after this manner. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So he doesn't just want to deliver us from the penalty of evil and sin, which is hell and the lake of fire and eternal judgment, but this present evil world. And so he taught us to pray. And so it's by prayer and it's by the uh, power of God and by the word of God that we are delivered. And so, in other words, it's God's will, number 10 here, that the world doesn't get the best of us, his children, but rather that we get the victory, that we get the victory. Now, I know every one of us probably, maybe not all of you, but are struggling with something. Maybe that just one tiny little thing, boy, you just think, Boy, if I could whip this thing here, uh, I'd be perfect. Well, that's, that's maybe why uh, the Lord's letting you kind of struggle with that so we can be humbled uh, by that. Um, he told the children of Israel, I'm going to deliver you. I'm going to deliver all these people out of Canaan land a little at a time. Not all at once. And I think there's a type there. Uh, where we struggle with something, we get the victory. We go on to something else. We struggle with it. We get the victory. We go on to struggle. Get the victory. Get the victory. And so, it's by prayer. The Lord said, "After this manner, therefore pray." Are you praying? Are you praying that every day? Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Are you praying that every day? We should be. We should be. That's in that model of prayer. That's our prayer. That's not the Lord's prayer. He didn't have to pray for deliverance from evil. He never sinned. He gave us that prayer as our model. We need to pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So prayer, for thine is the kingdom and the power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And then turn to 1 John, and here's something else that's going to happen if, number 10, we can be in God's will by being delivered from this present evil world. Notice this here. First John two twelve. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, older men who have been in Christ for 50 years or more, because you have overcome the wicked one. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. Let me read that again, verse 13. I write unto you, young, man, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children. By the way, how did, how did these young men overcome the wicked one? Well, we're going to have the answer in verse 14. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one you know we, we can't think that being spiritual is just for some man or woman who's been in Christ for 50 years and I'm a young man and the world's full of temptations and, and uh, you know I, I, just, uh, I just keep giving in no 
I don't know who John was writing to, maybe men in Jerusalem or some young men. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. Who's the wicked one? The devil. The devil. Young men, young women can be overcomers. And how do they do it? I've written unto you, verse 14, young men, because you are strong. You're not a bunch of spiritual wimps and weaklings. Jesus, I believe, chose, every man he chose was in his 20s. I believe that. And uh, I, I think by the, the lifespans that they led, led that's, that's probably how, that was probably their age. He probably chose men in their 20s. And uh, boy, in three years' time, he, he worked on them, he discipled them, he, he taught them the source of strength, which would be the, the coming Holy Ghost. And boy, those guys it, it, turned the world upside down, lived for the Lord, were faithful to death because they were strong in their youth. The word of God abided in them, they overcame the wicked one. There's coming a day uh, when the greatest revival I think the world has, will ever have seen, past or present, will be conducted by young men during the tribulation period. And uh, it is God's will, number 10, that we be delivered from this present evil world. Now, if that's not our testimony then there's something we're missing in our practice. It's not God. It's something we're missing. Maybe we don't understand yet. We don't know how to appropriate it yet. By faith in our own personal life, we've got to study the Word of God and learn about things like the abiding life and the spirit-filled life and, and the crucified life, those kind of things. But a young man, a young man can be an overcomer and, and the Lord has used so many young men uh, in life, and, but especially in the ministry. You look at so many uh, pastors, missionaries, and evangelists, and how God began to work in them in their 20s, sometimes in their teens. And they just gave their lives to the Lord, and, and 50 years later, they're finishing their course with joy. With joy. And so that's God's will. And so if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us, we know that we have the petitions we desire. Any one of us can say, Lord, <coughs> I believe it's your will that I have the victory today. Please give me the victory or show me what I'm missing in my understanding that I cannot yet appropriate by faith and live out. Teach me what it is so I can apply it. And have the victory. Now in closing this course, turn to Mark chapter 3. I've given you 10 specific things I found. Maybe I missed a few. But I want you to notice now, just kind of in conclusion. I hate to put it this way, but somebody might say, well, what's in it for me? <laughs> That's how we are sometimes. We have a consumer mentality. Well, okay, I'll do all those things, but what's in it for me? This is amazing. If, if I can explain this right, I don't know if I can. I'm struggling with it. But if I can explain this right here and conclude this course with this truth, you will see what's in it for you. And you will see 
And you'll say, I want that. The first time the phrase, the will of God, is ever mentioned in the Bible. It's never mentioned in the Old Testament. But it does tell us in Acts 13, 36, I don't know, that David served his generation by the will of God. So they did the will of God back then too. But for some reason, the subject of the will of God is never mentioned until Mark chapter 3. And I know there are proponents of a law of hermeneutics, which I don't necessarily promote it, but I sure have found it interesting. And it's called the law of first mention. The law of first mention. And uh, I don't know if it's a law or not, but uh, hermeneutics being the interpretation of Scripture. It's the study of how to interpret Scripture. And what they mean by that is that you, you, if you take something and you, you study and you, you, you really focus on the very first time it's ever mentioned, and I think Frank Thompson did this so wonderfully with his Thompson Chain Reference Bible, and then he would just connect a chain from that point on of all the other verses regarding that subject that you, you'll usually find that the first mention is, is perhaps the most important of all the times the subject is mentioned. And with that in mind, I want to show you when the phrase, the will of God, is used for the very first time in the Bible and why it should be important to each of us tonight in closing. Mark 3.31 There came then his brethren and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude said about him, now he's inside of a house, Mary, James, Judas, Joses, Simon, his four brethren, half-brothers, are outside of the house, maybe his sisters, all right? Word gets to those inside of the house. They get to Jesus. They say to Jesus, um, Behold thy mother and thy brethren without or outside of the house. Seek for thee. Okay, get the picture? And he answered them inside the house saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him and said, Behold my mother and my brethren, and here it is, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and mother. Jesus says, those are the ones I am intimate with. Those are the ones who are dearest to me. Those are the ones that are closest to me. Those who put a priority on doing God's will. That's my closest family. That's my closest family. Not Mary. Not James. Not Judas. Not Josie's. Not Simon. Not my sisters. They weren't here. But you. You that want to do the will of God, you're my family. You're my mother. You're my brother. You're my sister. You're the ones I'm closest to. Aha. So all of a sudden, the will of God, I hope, in closing tonight, takes a 
deeper meaning for you. The like inner circle. Uh, All the apostles, but then there was the three, right? Peter, James, and John. And how Jesus even said to the last church on earth, I think, if I'm reading it right, the church at Laodicea, he said to that church, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. It's kind of like Thanksgiving. Who did you have over to your house? Those that were dearest and most intimate to you. That's who you ate with on Thanksgiving. That's who you get together with on Christmas in, in, in this world's. But spiritually speaking, the spiritual family, those that are closest. So I, I believe, I believe if anyone tonight will say, I want to do God's will, you will enter into an intimacy with Christ that many believers will live and die and never experience in their life of what it's like to really know Christ. And so I hope in closing that may help you take those 10 things and say, you know, that's important. There's a lot more importance on that than just a bunch of duties. Uh, That's what the Lord's looking at. And those are the ones, he said, that's my brother. That's my sister. That's my mother. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word and the study we've had, uh, just reviewing the will of God. Lord, I'm sure there's things I've missed. I'm sure there's things I didn't explain as well as I could. But I want to pray, Lord Jesus, in, in closing, that we just at least remember your words. If anyone will do my will, they're more important to me than Mary. They're more important to me than my brethren that didn't even believe on me until after the resurrection. And Lord, they're the ones that are closest to you, that are intimate with you, that you will show them things you won't show anyone else. And so we pray these wouldn't just be ten duties, but Lord, we just pray that they would be like doors to really being close to thee, Lord Jesus. And so I pray for everyone here to seek to do the will of the Lord in their lives every day. And now, Lord, dismiss us with thy blessing. Help us this busy season coming up to have the grace of God we need and to make every effort we can to reach out to others and and bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray this in his precious name. Amen.